we lost kind of a young member in my family, and it was kind of in a, a pretty tragic way. And this song, I've always loved this song, but it has a new meaning for me now. And um, I'll, I'll just, I'm going to share this with you guys because I know a lot of people suffer um, from depression or they suffer from those lies that the devil's telling them. Because when the devil can get us alone, he feels that we will believe his lies even more. And I just want you to know that those lies that you may be, leaving, be believing that whether it's you're worthless or that you're not loved or you're too dirty or you just can't be obedient to God's calling on your life because of whatever you did in your past, it's not true. And fear, he is a liar.
Now handing it over to Clay. <laughs> Guys, can we give it up for this amazing band today? Wow. You know, it, it, the most important thing about worship is where it's coming from. Uh, it's not a spectator sport. We were made to worship. We were made in the image of God to bring heaven to earth and to worship. And, man, y'all did an amazing job. Olivia, I want to tell you something. You are a worship leader. You are a leader. God has a spirit upon you. You are going to do great things for the kingdom of God. Keep seeking him. I could just see it on you when you were singing. The spirit of the Lord is on you. He has such great plans for your life. Well, for those of you all that don't know, my name's Clay. Uh, I'm, from, I'm 23. I'm from Fort Worth, Texas. This would be uh, the time where if I had a wife or kids, they would you know, throw it up on the screen and we'd talk about like some cute pictures and fun stuff, but I'm single and I have no children, so y'all get to uh, not have to endure that this morning. It'd be cool to be able to do that one day, though. So, man, I am so excited to be here this morning, y'all. Uh, again, I'm from Fort Worth, Texas, and uh, I lived there for about, f- uh, actually, four years, two weeks ago. So it's been, a, it's been a pretty good journey. I moved there when I was 19. I'm 23 now. And, um, man, it's awesome. I uh, drove over here. I uh, stayed with a buddy last night. I drove up last night. Um, I stayed with a good friend of mine in Dover. How many people know about the little town of Dover? Um, I stayed with my buddy Chuck Swisher. Uh, he's spoken here before, so he wanted to tell y'all hi this morning. Even though he couldn't make it, he wanted to tell y'all hi um, he had a lot of great things to say about y'all. So again, thanks for showing up this morning, guys. Uh, I know it's not always easy. There's a lot of things that can get in the way of coming to church in the morning, but God honors your, uh, your heart, making him a priority in your life to be able to show up. Um, so yeah, we had a good time hanging out last night. Uh, one of the things that was fun is we went to Oklahoma City, and we stayed with a couple of friends of his and uh, there for a couple hours, and they have a couple of young children um, how many of y'all have kids or grandkids? Why, show of hands, can I see? Okay, all right. That's awesome. Man, bless y'all's heart because I can't handle it. <laughs> Not right now. Goodness gracious. I know y'all pray for kids, but there needs to be a special group just to pray for y'all because one, one six-year-old was enough for me, and the other one, or he's maybe like eight, and the other one's about four. One of the cool things that I think that they do, and I, maybe some of the kids here do it, uh-oh, losing some crutches. Maybe you're going to walk out of here later. That'd be awesome. Um, so one of the things that these kids do now, like the dancing is, a, is like a culture. I mean, dancing's been a part of culture forever, but it's like a phenomenon right now. There's this dance these kids do called the floss. Have y'all seen... The only floss they need to be doing is in their teeth. This, this floss thing has gotten ridiculous, but I admire them. The kids are not afraid. These two kids are not afraid. They will dance anywhere in front of anybody at any time. Y'all have ever been to like a, like maybe a big, a big dance party, like say homecoming growing up in high school. Maybe you've been to a wedding recently. There's something that always happens that I am 100% terrified of. If, if y'all want to know, fear is a liar, but I'm afraid of dancing in public. That is just not my calling. But there's something that always happens at these parties. And what it is is a big circle forms 
in the middle of a dance floor. Y'all know what I'm talking about? And then, you know, you've got the one guy that knows how to dance, and he jumps out there. And then somebody else that thinks they know how to dance jumps out there because they don't care what anybody thinks. And then your name gets called, and you're like, oh, no. Oh, no. And then you kind of, like, duck your head and run through and do something weird. Yeah. I I was thinking about that last night for some reason. I was thinking about that. I was thinking about the people that are able to go into the center of that circle and dance whether they're good or not, because they don't care. They're confident in who they are. And their confidence allows them to be able to express themselves however they want in that moment without the fear of what other people may think or say about them because they know who they are. And when you know who you are, it doesn't matter what somebody else says or thinks about you because it doesn't change anything. Whether you make a fool of yourself running into the middle of the circle or not, Someone else's opinion doesn't change the way that you live your life. And so that's from like a real sense, from a, from a real circle at a, at, a, at a real dance party. But if I'm going to put that in the aspects of life, I just want, I felt like I should share with y'all a little bit about who I am. Um, and so that way that y'all can, I'm going to be vulnerable here just for a second, tell you a little bit more about me so that when I tell you the rest of this message, it hopefully rings a, a little bit more home, but I used to be the guy on the outside of the circle in life. Um, it wasn't that I was ever afraid to run into the middle of the circle and dance. I was friends with a lot of people, and again, I'm putting this in perspective of life, but I was on the outside edge. Uh, when I was 16 years old, my, I was an only child growing up, and my parents got a divorce, and it totally wrecked my life. And at the same time, my best friend at the time, his, his dad actually passed away tragically. And... Um, I grew up in church. I had a great family. I'm so thankful for my family. I'm so thankful for the way that I was raised. I'm thankful for my parents um, and the way that they raised me, and they got me into church, and they set my foundation from a young age, and that's so important. And um, but what happened was is I ran to the edges of society, literally, quite literally. We, uh, I grew up in College Station, Texas, home of Texas A&M, um, and my buddy had some property. His family had some property outside, uh, outside of town, and uh, my junior year of high school, um, I ended up skipping like 70-something days of school, y'all. It was ridiculous. It was horrible. And literally, I would, I would run to the edges of society with my friend to the middle of nowhere uh, to escape people. And then we would get drunk and we would get high to try to escape ourselves and try to escape our current situations. And literally, I did that for about three years. Partying consumed me, and I was constantly trying to figure out who I was, where I came from, because it seemed like my whole life was a lie. That when it got flipped upside down, that I, uh, my identity wasn't the same anymore. And I was trying to figure out who I was. And I went from um, playing football and baseball and having um, a caught like goals from a very young age to go play collegiate sports and my uncle raised bucking bulls so I quit sports threw that out the window didn't want to go to college anymore and I started riding bulls and I started this party lifestyle within the rodeo community where there was a sense of freedom I was 16 years old and I had my truck and I could go where I wanted and so I started working because when I'm working and I'm making my own money my parents can't tell me what or what not to do I felt like Maybe some of y'all have been there before. Maybe some of y'all know somebody that's in that situation right now where they're trying to figure out where their identity is. And um, so after about three years of of running to the edges of society and running through life, trying to escape my troubles and um, trying to escape my own life, 
uh, it, it tragically led me upside down in a ditch, literally. I was drinking and driving one night, and I flipped my truck over some railroad tracks going about 60 miles an hour. And um, that moment at 19, uh, 19 years old uh, changed my life. Um, it was literally flipped upside down. And I should have died. I should not be standing here in front of you today, but God. Can anybody say, but God? But God. But God had a different plan. When I was writing my story, God was writing his own story for me. Because I had a grandma who was on her knees praying too much. She had sent too many prayers to heaven with my mom and my father. When they saw me running away, they said, no, we're going to go and do what we can. No, they're not. he's not going to listen to us. No, we can't get him to go back in church. But what can we do? We can hit our knees and we can pray. So I want to encourage every parent out there, every grandparent out there who may have a child that feels like they're a prodigal son or a friend. If there's a teenager in here who has a friend that couldn't make it today because they were out there partying last night do not give up on them keep showing them the love of God keep giving them the grace of Jesus they will come back that is the promise of the prodigal son if there's a grandparent or a parent out there I just want to extend that blessing into y'all right now to not give up because if my parents and my grandparents would have given up on me there's no chance that I would be standing here today but I came here to show y'all what God is capable of doing with a heart that is softened and through the power of prayer amen Amen. I hope y'all are excited as I am today. The Holy Spirit is in this place. God is in this place. And I am, I am, I am really, really, really excited. Sorry for preaching so early. I haven't even gotten to my message yet. <laughs> haven't even gotten there yet. Um, but y'all, today um, I'm going to be teaching on authority and identity. Because what God revealed to me was that the two are completely connected. They, uh, they work simultaneously together. And so, uh, does anybody have their Bibles with them today? Or maybe a smartphone? I don't know what kind of service y'all have here. By the way, I think it's awesome where y'all meet. It's amazing. I know y'all have plans of this new building, but I just love that you know, anybody can meet anywhere. Like the, the church of God and the presence of God is not limited to an actual church building uh, you know, his spirit, he's called Emmanuel. God is with us. He's with you in this place. He's obviously marked this place. I know that the business is probably blessed in this place. And I know that God has an amazing, amazing future for the plans of this church. Um, so I'm, I'm very excited about what God is doing here. But yeah, we're going to be, if you have your Bibles, you can actually go ahead and open up to Genesis chapter 1. I, uh, I just started reading the Bible the other day. I haven't made it to chapter 2, so I figured I'd just preach out of where I started. <laughs> so forgive me. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. It was actually the Word of God that changed my life. When I ran away um, from church, I grew up in church, uh, knew my youth group, and actually felt like I was hurt by the church. And when I ran away from church and I got this great opportunity after I wrecked to, uh, to move to Fort Worth, actually I was a hatter. Um, so while I was rodeoing, I, I loved hats. I loved cowboy hats. So I worked for a company called Catalina Hatters down in Bryan. I learned the whole trade, how to make hats. Um, continued rodeoing until um, I was about 18. And then um, was welding and doing carpentry and doing things to make ends meet, trying to figure out what I was supposed to do in life. I didn't want to go to college. Um, I had an entrepreneurial kind of spirit about me. I wanted to work with my hands. 
I didn't want to be bored and sit in a cubicle. I just I knew that there had to be something out there. And, and I, looking back, I knew it was God showing me that he had a future for my life. I was just too naive in the moment to be able to see it. Um, so I got this opportunity to move to Fort Worth, Texas. And uh, that is just honestly, that, it just popped in my head. I'm going to share this real fast. That is the true nature of God. I didn't deserve it. I mean, at 19, after my wreck, I kind of figured out, like, okay, God must have a plan for my life because I should have died, but I'm still here, so what do I do? And all these things are processing in my mind, and he blessed me with this amazing opportunity to move to Fort Worth and work for American Hat Company. Um, So I got the opportunity to manage this store called the Best Hat Store, Um, worked with people that are now family, uh, met some of my best friends um, through customer relationships and stuff that came in there. And I uh, was able to see my buddies, and I wasn't rodeoing anymore, so I got to at least see them when they came in. And uh, that's what God will do. It's his goodness, it says, that leads us to repentance. Um, and so I was in Fort Worth, and I didn't know where to go to church. I was in the, we're in the Bible Belt. Y'all, I lived with eight churches. I, like, Googled one day. It's like churches near me. There's, like, eight within one mile of my house. Like, where, where do you even start? I grew up going to the same church my whole life. So basically what I did is I got on my knees, and uh, I said, God, I don't know where to go to church. I really don't want to go to church. Um, I'm not sure about church people, but I believe in you. I may not believe in the people that claim to know you, but I believe in you at this point in my life, and I believe I have a purpose. So I just asked the Holy Spirit. I said, you know, I remember my grandma telling me, like, Clay, if you ever lack wisdom, just ask God, and he gives abundantly, and that just stuck with me. It's like, God, I'm dumb. I need help. I'm going to read this thing, but it never made sense to me before, and I just said, God, I just, I'm tired of running. I want, I want to open up my life to you. I want you to control my life. I want to follow you for the rest of my days. You gave me this second chance. If, I've, if you saved me from hell and you gave me a second chance to have actual purpose on this earth before I met you, because if I would have died that night, I would have had nothing to show for it. But now he's given me the second opportunity. And I started reading the word of God. I opened up to Matthew and I just started reading. And wow, it, it didn't go from my head. It went straight to my heart and it finally made sense. Even the stuff that didn't make sense somehow like resonated with me. Um, but this morning, we're going we're gonna to go to Genesis chapter 1. I'm going to talk to you um, about authority and identity. Um, because believe it or not, you have authority. Um, and you have authority because you're a human on this earth. Uh, God gave you authority when he made you um, to rule in dominion over this earth. He gave it to Adam and Eve, and that's what we're going to be talking about here in a second. And where your authority is, um, there is also your identity. The two are really connected. And um, the, the reason we're going to talk about this, I'm going to talk to you about who your identity is in, is because when you know who your authority comes from and whose identity is yours, you leave no room for somebody to come in and tell you a lie. Because there's an enemy out there, and his name is Fear, and he is a liar, just like we sang about. So again, if you've got your Bibles, open up to Genesis chapter 1, 26 through 28. Hold your spot. I'm going to pray over this real fast, and then we're going to get started. God, I just thank you so much for this church. I thank you so much for every uh, person in this building today. Lord, would you just anoint my words to pierce through the hearts of these people, God, that you would that your Holy Spirit would just do a work in this place today, Father. I give you access to every word that comes from my heart, Lord. You, re- you wrote this message on my heart, God, and I'm like, so excited to share it. Father, we give you all the praise for your deliverance, Lord. I pray that there would be deliverance and healing and everything that you want to do in the hearts of these people today, God. We just give you all the glory forever and ever. Amen and amen, church. So, Genesis 1 Chapter or Genesis chapter 1, verse 26. 
Then God said, let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky, over the livestock and all the wild animals, and over the creatures that move along the ground. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. Notice there's a trend. He created, he created them, he created them. How did he create them? In his image, like them, them, like him. It's, a, it's an ongoing theme here in, these, in this verse. And then he says, God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Other words, have dominion over it. Rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and over every living creature that moves on the ground. And so well, the first thing that God does is he creates man and he confirms their identity. He confirms who they were made by and who they were made to look like. And then right after he gives them his identity, what does he do? He gives them authority to rule over the entire earth. The newly created man was perfection, just like God. He wouldn't make anything less than himself. He wouldn't start us off on the wrong foot. No, actually, he created this earth to be just like heaven and be perfectly ran by heaven just right here on this earth. He created it for us. Um, and, And it's important that we know that. It's important that we see that when he created us as humans, we were actually created to be just like God, to live in the same heavens as him, but here on earth, and and, and to live perfect like him, and to think like him. We're made just like him, but as a human. Like, that that just blows my mind, honestly. Just completely blows my mind. And then, of course, we all know the story, they ate the forbidden fruit, and they sinned. So they had, first of all, I mean, how, how hard could it be? You got one rule. One rule. One. You know how many the, the, the Jew people had, the Jewish people had after all this happened? I don't even know how many, honestly. It's like 600 or something like that. It's, it's crazy. The amount of laws and commandments that they had to fulfill. And we're going to talk about that in a second. But Adam and Eve, they had just one. Because one is enough to completely separate you from the heart of God. And what that did at that moment when, when Adam and Eve sinned is it separated them, but it also put them and everybody after them on the same playing field. And that's why it's impossible for us to look. It's not impossible. God, God doesn't intend for us to look at people and see them for what their sins are because really we are no different. Every single one of us, we come from the same, from the same place, from the same origin, and no sin is greater and it, all t- it only takes one. That's why it was impossible. That's why it was impossible. But the interesting thing is, is Satan came, he tempted them, and uh, they obviously sinned, but they still remained in authority. They still remained in authority. Matter of fact, when you go over to the fall, and you read Genesis 3, chapter 5, it should be just right there, Um, It says, for God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. That's what Satan said. It's pretty interesting. Let's read that again. 
God said, if you eat from the tree, you will die. And then Satan comes over here in Genesis 3, chapter 4 and 5, and he says, no, you won't die. For God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God. Now, hold on a second. Let's, Genesis, I think I've read that before. Genesis 1, 26. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Let us make mankind in our image. Oh, and then it says it again. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. So what did Satan do? Satan wanted authority on this earth. So where did he go to get his authority? He attacked their identity. Some of you feel like you can't go on in life. Like you have no authority over the situations and you lose hope and depression sinks in and anxiety sinks in. Why? Because Satan came after you. He came after your identity. I came here this morning from a word from God to restore your identity. You are above and not beneath. You are the head and not the tail. Some of y'all fighting depression and anxiety. I come against that in Jesus name right now. It does not have a place in this house. It does not have a place in your mind. It does not have a place in your family. Jesus made you in his image. And we're going to be preaching the gospel here in a second, but I just had to confront that. I felt that in my spirit right now. And I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand. I'm not going to ask you um, if you know somebody, because the fact is we all do. We all either go through depressing times or we know somebody who's living a life led by depression. The enemy creeps in. He comes in to steal their joy, to steal who they are as a person, to steal their peace. How does he do it? He does it like he just did it from the beginning. His tricks are not any different, y'all. He's not as smart. He doesn't deserve the credit that we give him. Okay? Okay. I just want to settle that. I want to clear the air. We give, we give the enemy too much credit sometimes. We're going to talk about the authority that God gave us in our new identity here today. And there's going to be some people set free. There's going to be some new minds. I'm excited to keep digging, in the, uh, digging into this with y'all. Um, because I've, I've battled depression and anxiety myself, and I don't take it lightly. And Olivia, again, I was sorry to hear about the loss in your family. and um, I've seen that firsthand um, growing up. And the sad part is that the way of this day's world is the enemy has so many different outlets to come and attack our minds. So it's important for us to know who we are because when you look in the mirror and you see a body that God said he wanted to come and live inside of, what, what, what could anybody ever tell you any different? When you're made in the image of God, when you know who you're created by and what you were created for and the fact that you have a purpose, when he comes and he makes you question that and he comes and he says, no, look at what those people said about you and rumors start spreading and you're in school or you're at work and people are gossiping and people are saying things about you that aren't true. You got to do what Jesus did. What we're going to talk about in a second, he started fighting back with scripture. He knew his purpose. He knew who he was created by and what he was created for, and he held on to it every single day. So, the next thing we're going to talk about is, well, y'all all kind of got that, what happened during the fall, right? That makes sense? So I'm getting excited down here. Hope y'all are uh, had your coffee this morning because I had a two-hour drive over here and I was getting filled with the Lord this morning, as you can probably tell. But I won't apologize. I won't compromise the gospel. 
I won't compromise for truth, and I apologize for getting excited, but let me tell you what, if I can get excited for a football team with a bunch of players that I don't know or a bull rider on a screen who's making a great ride, how much greater praise does the Son of God deserve for conquering death? for conquering depression and coming to save us and set us free. I might be charismatic, but if I can raise my hands when my favorite bull rider makes a ride, how much higher should I raise my hands for the Son of God who came and set me free? He saved me from too much for me not to give Him credit and give Him praise. So I don't care what it looks like to somebody else. I don't care what it looks like to the rest of the world. He is worthy of all of the praise. Worthy of the praise, y'all. Give it, somebody give God a shout of praise this morning. Come alive. The spirit is alive in here, y'all. The spirit is alive with inside of y'all. It doesn't matter if you walk out here into a dark world. Let me tell you that the light inside your heart is always on. If you, if you believe in Jesus and you have received the Holy Spirit, you are plugged into heaven where the power is always on. It might be dark around you, but the light inside of you shines so bright you just may not be able to see it. Amen? Okay. So. God is obviously upset at us uh, in Genesis chapter 1, and, 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 and sin comes into the world, and, and we're separated. And, and, and so then what happens is he starts putting all these laws and commandments in the earth so that we can try to obtain perfection again on the earth. Because he was like, all right, well, y'all messed up. Well, it's not going to be easy, but I'm not going to make it impossible You just have to follow every single one of these laws and commandments all the days of your life, never mess up, and every single person has to do it perfectly in order for this place to look like heaven again. So if two people messed it up, I imagine as the numbers increased, the odds probably increased a little bit too, that that was not going to happen unless we got some help. And so God was sitting up there in heaven one day, and he said, you know what, I just can't take it any longer. I can't. These are my children. I created them. And they're down there, and they don't know me, and I send a prophet, and they kill him, and I send another one, and they stone him, and they rebuke this one, and what are we going to do? And he looked over to his right, and Jesus looked at him, and he said, send me. Send me. I'll go. Matter of fact, we kind of knew this was going to happen, and we've been waiting, but I think the time has come that you send me. And then a beautiful thing happened. There was a seed planted in a, in a virgin called Mary, and she gave forth to the son of the one true living God, born of a man in a little manger outside in a small town no one had ever heard of called Bethlehem, because it doesn't matter where you came from. God wants to defy all the odds. It doesn't matter how small the little town you may be from. He's got world-sized dreams inside of each and every one of you to take you as far as the east is from the west to spread the gospel because it doesn't matter if you're on a stage. It doesn't matter where you are. You're calling and what we're going to talk about in a second is you are commissioned to create disciples, to spread the gospel with every word that comes out of your mouth, to give God praise with every breath that is in your lungs, to walk everywhere in authority and rule and dominion over this earth, to subdue the works of the enemy and to take back what was stolen from the beginning. That is the gospel of Jesus. That he would come here born of a virgin, born perfect, to live a life worthy for 30 years, never sinning, never missing one of these laws or commandments. Not one. And then what did he do? He went down to the river 
And he was baptized for repentance. John the Baptist was preparing the way for Jesus, baptizing people in repentance. And he said, greater is one that's coming who won't baptize in repentance, but in the Holy Spirit and fire. And Jesus showed up and he was baptized. Why? For righteousness sake. He didn't, need to, he, he, he didn't have anything to be repented from. Yet he was dipped into the water and brought out. And then it says the Holy Spirit came and it rested on him. Like a dove. John says that the Holy Spirit came and rest upon him. When you believe in Jesus, you receive the Holy Spirit and he lives inside of you. And that's to convict you and let you walk hand in hand with the Holy Spirit, with God the Father, to bring you closer and into his throne room. But let me tell you, when the Holy Spirit rests on you, it's for somebody else. When the Holy Spirit comes and it rests on you, it's for somebody else. It's so that you can walk every day, wherever you go, And be Jesus in that moment. Jesus was filled with the Holy Spirit because he obtained righteousness. He never missed anything. And then the Holy Spirit came and rested on him so that he could have authority everywhere he went. He knew who he was. So we're going to flip over to Matthew 28 right now real quick. There's a lot of good words in this Bible and sometimes it's hard for me just to stick to one. So I might bounce. Just hold on to Matthew 28 and I might Hop on over to a couple other ones. Jesus, help me feel this word. Thank you, Lord. Everybody familiar with the Great Commission? It's the very end of Matthew. And I'm just going to read one verse here. It's actually just verse 18. And this statement right here. We have to realize what Jesus had just been through. I told you that he had been baptized and repented. And then what did he do? He was led into the wilderness. For 40 days, immediately after that, he was led into the wilderness. And and what happened? He was tempted by Satan. So I want you to stay on Matthew 28, but I'm going to flip over. I'm going to flip over to John real fast, chapter 5. If you want to flip over there with me, you can. The title of of this part of John chapter 5 is called The Authority of the Son. And what Jesus is about to describe, uh, what we're going to get to in a second, what Jesus is about to describe is what it looks like to be a son. What it looks like to walk in perfect communion with God our Father. Um, Because Jesus didn't die just so that we could go to heaven. He died so that heaven could live inside of us, so that we could reach up to heaven and pull it down. That's why he says, in the one time that he taught us how to pray, he says, Dang, what does he say? My brain is all over the place this morning. But it's the, it's the, it's the, it's the one prayer, and he says, um, Let thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. On earth as it is in heaven. There's no depression in heaven. Amen? There's no anxiety in heaven. There's no broken bones. There's no cancer. Heaven is perfect. And what did Jesus do? He walked around with the authority of heaven on earth to make heaven, to make earth look Like it was created to. Because he could. Because he had restored righteousness. And so he goes into the wilderness. And this is where it gets really interesting. Because Jesus completely flips the script on what the enemy wanted to do. He comes to Adam and Eve and he tempts them. And he gets them to question their identity. Because when he had their identity, he had their authority. And he was able to rule through their flesh over all the earth. God did not bring pain into your life. God did not allow, God will allow things to happen. He is in control 
of all the situations, but that doesn't mean he necessarily caused the situation to happen. It, you know, the, we, we've distorted some things in the Bible. It says the enemy came to steal, kill, and destroy, and God came to give life abundantly. If you ever read anything in the Bible or have had something preached to you, maybe in the Old Testament or even in the New Testament somewhere that was just one verse that contradicts the life of Jesus, go back and read it in its entirety because God is good came with a message this morning to restore that hope to your heart that he is good and that he loves you and that he has a plan and a purpose for your life. And it's all about what Jesus did here when he was in the wilderness. It says Satan came and tempted him. And when he did, what's the, what's the first thing that he said? Um, this is actually in Matthew chapter 4. Sorry, guys, my, my verses have been all over the place. Um, but he says, if you really are the son of God. It's the first thing that Satan came to him. So he came to, came to Adam and Eve, and he said, if, if you really are, like, like he said, that it'll, if you eat from this fruit, it'll make you like God. That's what he's afraid of. But they didn't know that they were already created in the image of God. So Jesus comes, and it's interesting because he grew up teaching, and it says that he taught as a man who had authority. They could see the authority coming out of him. And so he's... Uh, He's being tempted, and, and Satan says, if you really are the son of God. Because he knew if he could get Jesus' identity, he could have his authority and rule through his flesh. What's interesting is Jesus was actually on a fast. He was actually subduing his flesh. And when the first thing Satan tempted him was, he said, if you really are the son of God, turn that, bread to st- or turn that stone to bread. And Jesus said, man can't live on bread alone. And he started fighting the Satan back with his scripture because he knew who he was and he knew that he was on a mission to save each and every single one of us from having to live like everybody else before him so that we could make heaven look like earth. And then, of course, after that, he spent three years proclaiming the good news that he was the son of God. And actually here in John in chapter five, he gives us a good idea of what his life looked like because we have to picture now what Jesus' life looked like was something for us to model. It was for something for us to go and bring into our own lives. And he says the, it's the authority of the son. <laughs> and so the, the religious people of the, of the time were around him. And in verse 17, he says, my father is always at his work to this very day and I too am working. For this reason, they tried all the more to kill him. Not only was he breaking the Sabbath, but he was even calling God his own father, making himself equal with God. And he says, very truly, I tell you, the son can do nothing by himself. He can only do what he sees his father doing, because whatever the father does, the son also does. For the father loves the son and will show him all he does. Yes, and he will show him even greater works than these, so that you will be amazed. And Jesus was showing us what it looks like to have sonship, to be adopted into a heavenly family and walk in perfect communion with God the Father. We don't have to be afraid of him anymore. As soon as um, Adam and Eve fell into sin, the first thing they did was hid. The first thing they did was hide from God. And many times, most of us, as soon as we sin, we feel unworthy. We feel like we're, we have to run from God, like we have to hide from him because our sin comes from a place of being scared, being scared of God because we don't know who we are in that moment. We act out of character in that moment. But the good news of the gospel is what Jesus did was he covered us in his grace. 
But this is grace that leads to repentance. This is not grace so that we get a free pass to live however we want to earth, put this little pass that gets us into heaven in our back pocket, and when we die, wave it at the golden gates. That's not how this works. Jesus didn't teach us that. Jesus taught us how to walk in sonship. He didn't want us to have to wait to live in perfect communion with the Father till we got to heaven. He did everything that he did. He sent Jesus here so that we could have that perfect relationship with him here on earth so that we could go and do what Jesus said. Jesus said, these signs will follow those who believe. They will heal the sick. They will raise the dead. And I'm sorry, but I believe Jesus. I don't believe that he would tell us a lie. For a long time, I, left my, I lived my life thinking Jesus, his shoes were too big to fill. That I'd never be able to attain what it looks like to be righteous. That I was just a sinner saved by grace. Many of y'all have probably heard that. I used to preach it myself, to myself. I'm just a sinner saved by grace. That's a lie. I'm considered a saint. I've read the end of this book. I know who I am. I know who I was created by, and we win. And I'm a saint while I'm here on earth because I believe in the finished work of the cross. I have received the Holy Spirit and I'm going to live in eternity with heaven, in heaven with God. But God doesn't want to just wait for me to get to heaven to have that relationship. He wants it now. He did everything he could to have us now so we wouldn't have to wait. If he wanted us that bad in heaven, then when we accepted him, we'd be poof. We'd be gone. We'd just hop right up there. But no, he leaves us here. Because we have to take back what was stolen. Because for those of us that believe, we have the power of heaven living inside of us. And there's too many people living in this world in depression and anxiety with a lack of peace and joy. We have to go back and take back what was stolen from them. We have to go be Jesus to them. We have to go be the gospel to them. We have to go restore and give back to them what was stolen from them. We have to go be love. We have to go be joy. We have to go be peace. It's not just something that comes out of our mouth. It's not just me. I have no seminary degree. I, don't, I, I love the opportunity to be able to come up here and share my heart with people and where I've come from and what God is doing. But it doesn't stop here. I, I want to tell you all about where this message came from. I was with my buddy, and I was actually on a, this is, I, I can't believe I did this, but God called me to do a 10-day fast. I did a Daniel fast, and all I ate was vegetables and fruit. If it could be picked or plucked, I ate it. And that was it. And I'm a meat eater. I eat meat like three times a day. Thank God that 10 days is over now. But let me tell you that like it was, it was the hard, probably the hardest thing I've ever done. And, um, and it was on day seven, and I was with my buddy, and he had to meet me at this little juice bar because that was all that I could you know, drink or eat. And um, the security guard was sitting there, and he uh, walked off and uh, was talking to my buddy, and we were just messing around with him. And when he walked back, he was like severely in pain limping. I don't know what happened to him. Well, I asked him, dude, what happened? You walked away fine. You come back, you're limping. And he's like, man, I stepped on the stairs over there come, uh, wrong, and I think I sprained my knee. I said, dude, that's not good. I said, how would you like me to pray for you right now? He goes, uh, well, sure. Kind of thrown off. I said, all right. You care if I put my hand on it? No, go ahead. God, I thank you for a brand new knee right now in Jesus' name. All pain leave right now in Jesus' name. I said, check it out. We're going to say, when you were sitting and walking over here, whatever that pain was, we're going to put it at a 10. I want you to walk. We're going to check it. Tell me where we're at. Takes a step, looked at me, and he goes, what did you just do? I said, you heard what I just did. We just prayed. He goes, well, I have no more pain in my knee. I said, have you ever been told about Jesus before? Yeah, I've, I've heard about Jesus before. I've gone to church. I said, have you ever seen Jesus? He said, no. 
Not like this. I said, this is Jesus extending his hand into your life for a personal relationship with you guys. I have seen miracles happen. I don't stand up here in a white robe. I'm not going to start making people fall over. But I'm just telling you that there's authority living inside of you when you know your identity. This is what God wants to do. We're not living in a day and age where we can just argue with people anymore. He knows that I can't. I'm not smart enough. I've told you that, obviously. But I'm filled with the power of the Holy Spirit, not by my own authority, but by what he has given me, by his own free will in my life to lay hands on the sick and see them healed. My, I, I don't care. I, I don't go into it questioning what will happen. God didn't say worry about what happened when, when you pray for somebody. He said go and pray for them. If it doesn't happen, because it doesn't all the time, it's not on my weight. It's not, it's not on my shoulders. It's not my weight to carry. But let me tell you that we're living in a day and age where we can't argue with people anymore. People are smart. And I'm definitely not smart enough to get in a theological debate with an atheist who doesn't believe in God. But if I can disrupt their life with the goodness of the gospel. I'll t- I told an atheist one time in a Target parking lot in Denver, Colorado. She came walking out of Target and she was limping. She told me her hip was messed up. I said, hey, can we just pray real fast? She said, absolutely. I said, really? She goes, well, sure, if it'll make the pain go away. All right, give me your hands. God, I thank you for brand new hips right now in Jesus' name. All pain leave right now in Jesus' name. I said, check it. She goes, okay, no, I didn't expect this. I said, what? She started really freaking out. She had half her head. She was what most, I'm not going to even have to describe how she looked or what lifestyle she may have lived in because most of the church probably would have looked at her and shaken her off. She didn't look like anybody, somebody wouldn't be approached. And let me tell you, in Denver, trying to share the gospel is not the easiest thing. It's not the Bible Belt. And um, all the pain left, and she began to weep. And I, I said, what's going on? I said, where are you at with God right now? She said, well, I was told about God, and um, I decided not to believe in him anymore. Uh, after the way that I saw, she was messed up with the church. The church had hurt her. But it was in that moment where God extended a hand of grace into her life and said, this is me. I love you right where you're at. It's the goodness of who I am that will lead you to repentance. There's not a bone in Jesus's body that would have ever condemned somebody. Matter of fact, Jesus never compromised the gospel, and yet he was still loved by the sinners. The only people that didn't were the people of the religious people in that church. And that's why Mark, wherever, where did Mark go? When he stood up and he said, the heart of this church is to break down religious barriers. That's what God's looking to do. He's looking for people who will walk in their identity, to walk in the authority of what it looks like to be a son, to be a daughter, to hold the hand of God, and not have to walk worrying about what other people think about you anymore. There's so much freedom in that. There is so much freedom in that. And then, you know, you flip over to Romans chapter 8, and that's exactly what he's telling us to do. You don't even have to flip there and if you don't want to. And um, I just love the way Paul wrote it. I read this for about a week. I couldn't get out of it. And he said, the spirit you receive does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Why? Because fear is a freaking liar and I hate the devil. Can I say that? I'm sorry. I hate the devil. He's hurt me too much. He's hurt my family too much. And I'm going to spend the rest of my life to destroy the works that he has. And you can too. Anybody with me this morning? Somebody give God praise. If he's hurt you or your family, you deserve to be a wrecking ball for Christ every day of your life. The way you do that is you just unconditionally love the people around you. Love wins. He said, the spirit you received does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the spirit you received brought you out your adoption to sonship. And by him we cry, Abba, Father. The spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Now, if we are children, 
then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ, if indeed we share in his sufferings in order that we may also share in his glory. When Jesus said in Matthew chapter 28, all authority has been given to me, that also means that it's been given to you. Jesus actually said, I have to leave because something greater is coming. This spirit, this authority that I walk by, it's going to be given to you so that you can live in the same relationship with the Father that I've lived and shown you. Jesus referred to God as Father every time except when he was on the cross. And he said, God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Any other time Jesus referred to God, he referred to him as Father to show us what our life can look like, to live in perfect relationship. And when you do, crazy things start happening. And I don't mean weird, flaky things. I mean, people get set free. People receive love. They don't receive religion. They'll meet you in a Target parking lot. They'll meet you on a street in front of a juice bar. They'll meet you in the church. God's not limited to a church building like we said. He wants to live inside of you and use your hands and feet to reach out with the gospel everywhere that you go. And that authority, when he says here, it says that we are co-heirs with Christ. That means that same authority as you. And and what I was talking about, what Jesus said, he said, you'll actually do greater things. And again, I don't believe Jesus was a liar. And for too long, I believed his shoes were too big to fill because of this religious mindset. His shoes are actually too small. Because he's a great leader. And he comes up and he pushes up to be better than even he was. So that we could go do greater things. Because look what he did with just one and then 12 people that were obedient. And I remember he even told the, the Pharisees, he said, look, don't believe, don't believe that right there, right around John chapter five, when he starts talking about how he is a son and they were wanting to kill him. He said, look, if you don't believe me, at least believe the works that I do because they're not normal. They come from heaven. What if every believer started doing that? How much different would our world look if we just stopped debating? Jesus didn't debate. He didn't. Matter of fact, the rich young ruler walks up to him and says, what do I have to do to follow you? He said, sell everything you have and follow me. And the guy was like, no, I can't do that. And he walked off. Jesus let him leave. Most of us would have tried to get him to pray a prayer and receive something, but Jesus looks deep within the heart, deep within the heart. And he knew that that guy would end up coming back around. But what I'm trying to tell you is, It's not always about getting someone in a headlock to try to get them to receive a prayer with you, to add a number to your book. It's about being love and being truth and not compromising that truth. Be willing to meet somebody right where they're at and love them to where God wants them to be. Church, I believe that we are living in a day and age where God wants us to rule in authority through our identity. And our identity is in the finished work of the cross Again, it was not just so that we could get to heaven, but that so we could let heaven meet earth in us, to be walking hand in hand with the Holy Spirit, living in perfect relationship with God our Father. Again, that is all my life is, guys. That's all my life is. I owe it all to Jesus, all and everything that he's ever done for me. But I'm not waiting to heaven to see heaven. I want to see it every day of my life. And that... If that means laying hands on the sick, it means that. Sometimes it just means giving somebody a smile. Sometimes it just means giving your barista at Starbucks a little bit more of a tip and telling them you're awesome. Just saying God loves you. That's what he wants us to do. He said, my commission is this. 
All authority has been given to me. Now go out into the world and preach the gospel to all the nations, discipling them and baptizing them in the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. It's time for us to live as disciples and create disciples. It's time for this world to see Jesus coming in and going out as an Old Testament reference of coming into the tabernacle and leaving. Guys, when we step out of those doors today, it's a war, a battle of not flesh and blood, but principalities and spirit. He's coming to attack you. He's coming to attack your family. He's relentless, but you know your authority. The power is in your words. The power is in the way that you live your life. I don't want to pray for y'all, but before we leave today, I want to give people who heard this message, and maybe this was the first time you've ever heard the, the true gospel preached. Maybe you've been battling with your identity. Maybe you've been battling with what people think of, of you, and it made you question who you are, and and, and, or maybe, you know, you believed in Jesus for a long time, but it's, it's time where you feel like God's asking you to live for him. Maybe it's been, been a hard life. Maybe you've been going through some struggles and you've been turning to the wrong things. Let me tell you that God does not judge you for that. He will meet you right where you're at today. And so I'm just going to ask everybody bow their head. And I'm going to talk to two groups of people. If you've never received Jesus Christ into your heart and asked the Holy Spirit, because there's the Father, there's the Son, Jesus, and there's the promise of the Holy Spirit. If you never asked the Holy Spirit to come and possess you in your heart so that you could walk and live and breathe like Jesus, I want you to pray after me. And that same prayer can be prayed by anybody who decided today is the day where I'm not just going to believe in Jesus, I'm going to walk like Jesus. I'm going to claim my authority, and I'm going to walk in identity, and I want the Father himself to be an everyday relationship in my life. No more waiting. I want to make a change in this world before I get to heaven and live in purpose. Just repeat this short little prayer after me. Father God, I love you. Jesus, thank you for what you did. So thank you for loving me. Holy Spirit, I ask that you come into my heart. I pray that you make yourself at home and you knock down the walls and you rebuild it for a comfortable place for you to stay. Lord, thank you for saving me from my sins and thank you for adopting me into sonship. I'm ready to follow you. In Jesus' name, amen. Now I want uh, to do something real quick. One more thing before we leave. When you receive the Holy Spirit, it gives you a boldness and authority. And if you want to live for him in front of people that don't know him, it's going to take some boldness. So how much easier should it be for you to be proud of the decision you just made with a bunch of believers who will stand with you and welcome you to the family, or if anybody decided today that I'm going to start living for Christ again, I'm going to ask you to do something bold. Because I believe it'll be a, a testament to the rest, of, the rest of your life leaving today. I want you to stand up. If that was you today, and you said, I, I received that for the very first time, don't be afraid. For the very first time, you said, I, I received Jesus. I want you to stand up. And that's all right. Amen. Heck yeah. I see y'all way up there. God bless you. That's amazing.
Amen. Keep, stay standing, stay standing. There's going to be a bunch of people standing with y'all in just one second. And if there were some people in here today that heard this message and you prayed that in your heart and you've prayed something similar and you're ready to go give the devil a headache when you leave out of here, I want you to stand up too. That should be every one of you, by the way. And I'm going to pray one more time. We're going to be dismissed. God, I thank you for these people. Holy Spirit, I ask that you just anoint them and you cover them in your love. Let them walk in authority and the power in your identity as they leave here today. In Jesus' name, amen.